Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Now, I've always wondered what it was like to live the life of a psychic from a very early age, what their trials and tribulations were, what they had to go through as their abilities were shown to their friends and family, how they dealt with things psychologically, spiritually, and so much more. And today's guest has given us a revealing look at the life of a psychic since a very, very early age. We have on the show Robert Lindsay Mill. And Robert has been a psychic since he was a young boy and actually a practicing psychic using his abilities to make a living. And uh, it is a remarkable story and a remarkable conversation. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Robert Lindsay Mill. How you doing, Robert? I'm doing great. And, and thank you for having me on today. Thank you so much for coming on the show, yeah. my friend. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I've had a few psychics on the show and... Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always interesting to hear different perspectives, different, sure. um, stories, everyone's story and how they get their yeah. abilities is different and, and how they use their abilities is different. So I'm always fascinated. So I always love asking, um, you know, kind of deep questions about how this whole process works. So first question is how did you discover your gifts? Okay. So I, I don't actually think of them as gifts, I, I think they're talents that you work really hard to develop. Okay. So, so I don't think of it as a gift. You know, when you think of something as a gift, you're just great no matter what. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's not the case. Um, the harder you work at anything, but the harder you work at um, developing our awareness, the better we get. So um, I have always had a sense of awareness i've always sensed things my first remembrance i was about um five or six years old and um i was just coming home from school and it was either kindergarten grade one for, for lunch and i said to my mother grandma harris died today well um grandma harris actually was my great-grandmother she was in britain and, and i lived in 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 toronto canada um, I'd only ever seen her once in my life. Um, and, and, and by the way, this was about in 1955 or 56. Okay, so it's a different world. Um, my mother got angry with me, uh, yelled, probably hit me for saying bad, evil things. 
the next night at dinner, we're all sitting around my, my little sister and I, my mother and father. And my mother says to my dad, Grandma Harris died yesterday. And I thought my father was going to get angry with my mother for saying bad, evil things. To my astonishment, they talked about it. So things like that happened to me. Um, and I would say things to people and get into trouble, i.e. Uncle Harold, that wasn't Aunt Sally. Um, who was that person? That one I know for sure got me hit. Uh, right. But I didn't understand what was happening. So I discovered when I was around nine years old that I was different. And it happened at um, an, a, a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, semifinal Stanley Cup. And this was in, what, 1957 or 58. And um, Toronto and Boston were playing. Series was tied 1-1. The game was tied 1-1. And, and, you know, the game went into overtime. And when the fourth period started, I knew number 17 was going to score. I just knew it. The game hadn't even started. Anyway, the referee blows his whistle and, you know, the guys go to the bench. And number 17 was thrown was a guy named Gary Eman. He wasn't a first string player and, and he was on the bench. So imagine Maple Leaf Garden It's like... 18,000 people and the referees getting ready to drop the puck and they lower the ice or the lights. And I couldn't hold it inside anymore because I, it wasn't that Gary Eamon was going to score in my mind, he had scored and the entire building was silent. And I just jumped up and started screaming and cheering. Right. And everybody in the building looked at me and my dad and, and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, sit down and, and i did referee drops the puck the game goes on i don't know however many minutes um gary even jumps over the boards and a guy named red kelly passed the puck to him and even uh tips the puck in the net and the building erupts and i was remembering looking around the building realizing that nobody knew hmm. not even even that he was going to score and, and it was at that time where, now, now remember, I was nine years old, so I'm not, I, I wasn't able to process it as sophisticatedly now, but, but um, I, I realized that I saw and sensed things that other people didn't. That was when I knew. Uh, yeah. So this is a question I, I'd love to get your perspective on. Yes. You know, we all have uh, free will and, and at any moment yeah. we can move at any direction. So when a psychic, so a psychic, when they get uh, images or information about what's going to happen in the near future, maybe in the far future, I, I'm assuming it's a, it's that, that this is the probability of it happening. It's not an exact sign because at any moment, Absolutely. like, yeah, at any moment I could just get up and go do something else right now in the middle of our conversation. I have that. Well, I'm not going to. So it's probable that I'm going to sit here and right. continue to speak to you for the next hour. Most likely. And I'm hoping we do, right? Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> so, and I'm predicting that we will. Okay. So let's make me 100%. Um, I, I, that, that's an interesting uh, uh, question. Uh, we have free will and free, free, free choice. And we can do anything 
we want. Now, it's not free, as in we can do anything we want and get away with it. Right. There is there is accountability. Okay. And and the rule is what we do one way, we must do equally the opposite. That that's that's well, that's the rule, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the law of karma. It's it's you know what we are one way, we're equally the opposite. That's just um, positive and negative. Anyway, um when I do a reading, what what and now is different at I'm almost 73. It's different today than when I was 15 and a half years old doing tea leaf readings in the, at the cozy tea room in downtown Toronto. It, it, again, more sophisticated. Um, I see a path. I see an energy line. Um, and the things that I see most often do occur. There is free choice and free will. But then there's something else called destiny. And destiny cannot be changed. So often destiny cannot be seen. Because if it can be seen, it can be changed. Are you following so, me on from, that? From, from your perspective, from a psychic's perspective. From a psychic's perspective. Oh, yeah. Well, right. Okay. So it's not like, you know, hockey player's perceptive. You know, so if you can, no, you know, it's, no, if, it, if you can see it, you can change it. Want an example? Okay. Let's say I say to you, um, three o'clock tomorrow afternoon at the corner of Hollywood and Vine, you're going to get hit by a truck. Well, if you're not at Hollywood and Vine at three in the afternoon, you're not going to get hit by the truck. If I hadn't have told you, you could have been at Hollywood and Vine. Now, if I were doing a reading for you and... We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show your destiny wants to get hit by a truck at three o'clock um, at Hollywood and Vine, I wouldn't be able to see it. Right. There's, those are the rules. Well, it's just, yeah. Okay. So I had like some of those experiences. One of the most profound, it, it blew me away. Um, it was just after the Calgary winter Olympics. And um, I was doing a reading for this young woman. She had just come back. She, she was um, with the CTV, uh, Canadian television uh, sports, uh, Canadian TV uh, channel uh, in the sports department. And she was a producer at, at, the, at the Winter Olympics. And she had just finished. And, and she rode up to my house. Um, and in Toronto, we have what a lot of people call trolley cars. We, we call them street cars. Um, anyway, I did a reading for this young woman. And I thought it was brilliant. Like I was telling her all kinds of things about what was going to be happening. And, and I was feeling really good. She loved the reading and uh, she left and she got on her bike and rode home. The next night on the evening news and, and, and our news is bright. Our main news is national is broadcast usually at, at 11 at night. I was watching the news on CTV and um, the, the news broadcaster was doing an obituary. And the picture was the woman that I had done a reading for the day before. And on the way home, she got hit by a streetcar and got killed. Wow. Okay, so I was 
in my 30s. I was in my prime at that time. I was at my peak. Um, and and I was, it drove me crazy. If you're so damn good, Milne, how the hell did you miss that? And I walked the floors worrying, stewing about it. It went on for a long time. And and then, then I realized it was destined. And destiny cannot be changed. So in in and in many ways, it's kind of like you destiny that or i completely blew it there's that i want i want to do the destiny well there's there's so there's certain there's certain things in in the world that are going to happen so the iphone is going to get invented uh the car is going to get invented um the uh, Mm. this person is going to get assassinated at one point or another like that that's the destiny of that path but how so let's say for, for argument's sake here, let's have an argument uh, just for, for fun. Okay. Let's say fun. tomorrow, yeah. Hollywood and yeah. Vine. You told yeah. me and I'm not at Hollywood and Vine. The truck goes past. I don't go that day. Yeah. But yeah. if I'm destined to die, I'll get hit the next day or maybe later well, on that day. If I else, would have told you. It wouldn't have been destined. At this time and you avoided it, it wouldn't have been destiny. Got it. Okay. End of story. If it were destiny, I wouldn't have seen it, and we wouldn't be talking about it. So there's there's certain there's certain things laid out in the map or on the journey. These are these are mile markers that have to be hit. How how you get to those mile markers many times in your own life is relative. So that's well, where that's that free will. Deep, yeah, that's yeah. the free will that we have. Sure. So in Absolutely. other words, I'm not going to be an astronaut. Not in my path. I could choose to start to try to train to be an astronaut at my age. Or an NBA player, sure, probably, right. probably not going to happen. Or a right. hockey player, okay, probably right. not going to happen. Sure, that's right. Um, well, we have free choice and free will to do anything that we want. And when when we get incarnated, so so when when we create a form, um, there there is only one mold. And and when we get molded and we get born the mold gets broken. So there's no other being in the universe like us. We're the only one. Okay. Now we have a template when we're born. And in that template, which is our body or mind, whatever, that template gives us, um, we can experience anything we want inside the foundations of the template. So the example would be, it's unlikely you could play basketball in the NBA, but you can learn how to play basketball. Right. Not at that right. level, but at, exactly. well, but, but, but you can play basketball and you can play it to the boundaries or the structure or uh, of that template, mm-hmm. which is my, which is my physical body and skill set. Right. Absolutely. But you still can do it. So you can play basketball. And you can play it to the greatest um, of, of your ability, but that would be the limitation. But, and and we, we have that with everything. So, but the key is to find that the, 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 the road that has been paved for us with our skill set and our template, and that's where we thrive. Well, I don't see this as a road that's paved for us. I see it as a, a free choice and free will. So the person who is not ever going to play in the NBA 
but absolutely adores basketball and plays it, um, will get as much joy when they push themselves to the limit of their ability mm -hmm. than as what somebody as a professional would. The external accomplishment may be different. Got you. I got you. I got you. Okay. So, but you have to be pretty involved to be able to say, "Oh, well, I got to work my ass off over something and be the best at it." You know, you know there would be something about you. you but, know. The, but but that's the, you know, and using the example of professional sports, that's the thing. Yeah. How many people around the world play soccer, basketball, baseball, football, right. hockey? They do it for the enjoyment of the game. Sure. But, but there's a few of us, and a few of them, excuse me, that or a few of us as, as humans that sure. are at that at a higher level. I, sure. I come from the film industry. So no anybody idea. nowadays can make a movie, you know, right. it, it, it does take a lot of skill sets. So there is a level of skill, but very few of us are going to be Steven Spielberg. Of course. Or, or, or Martin yeah. Scorsese or right. Francis for Coppola. So these, so because they're at a high level, same thing with painting, same thing with music, same thing with all of us. So you could play the guitar, but not everyone's going to be Jimi yeah. Hendrix. <laughs> Or Eric Clapton. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so, so th that's true. Um, I, I think what we were just just talking about is is we have the free choice to do something um, to uh, that anything that we want. Um, we have only but one restriction: um, is that uh, we can only do it to the limit of our of our. Um, 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 what did Ability. I call it? Yeah, right. Oh, okay. And on the other hand, the other thing is what we do one way, we also must do equally the opposite. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that balances the experience. Got it. So what do you mean by that in regards to like, well, let's say well, the basketball analogy? Well, in everything. So, so in everything there, there is positive and negative and, and what we are as a person, we are equally opposite. What we are on a positive level, we also are to the same degree on a negative level because you cannot have, so you can't have more positive than negative um, and, and be balanced. Okay, so we, we are um, the exact opposite. So as happy as I can be, as sad as I can be. Got it. As, I understand. Okay. Okay. Um, as strong as I can be, as weak as I can be, we're, we are like that. As um, kind, as mean. We, because there has to be the opposite to something or it doesn't exist. Right. And, and, and I was... You can't have a one-sided line. Well, no, I understand what you're saying. And I was, yeah. I, was, I was talking to... I forgot who I was talking to on the show, but this came up with you know, what, what happens throughout history, anytime there is a great evil or negative energy that pops up in mm -hmm. the world, there's an yeah. equal positive level or, 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 or good energy that comes up to fight that when the, the right. when the negative goes down, the positive goes down. So, yes. you know, using what's going on in the Ukraine, the whole world came up like and joined forces yeah. in a way that I hadn't seen before. Same thing in world war two. You know, it, yeah. there was there was a great negative. So, yeah. in other words, there's not always there's not going to be this great, powerful negative energy that will completely overtake the world. Let's say there'll right. always be a right. counterbalance to that. There will always be. That's right. So, when I do readings now, now at this time in my life, when um, 
I don't use a medium per se, like I don't use cards or crystal balls. And I think I said I've been doing this for 57 years. It's been mm-hmm. my life career, right? Um, so so um, when I do readings now, I start off, I, I often see someone's life from conception to, to the completion and, and, and everywhere in between. And I and, and the readings I do are more monologue than dialogue. And, and, I, and I just talk. So, um, and I go forward and backward in time several times in someone's reading. And the way I give bad news. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And, and, we are morally obligated if we see something bad or negative for that person we are morally obligated to give them that information if it's come through if it comes through and the reason why we're morally obligated is because just as what we've been talking about when you're forewarned you're forearmed so the way i often do it is i look into the future uh, to a point in time, and I describe to the person, they don't know what I'm, in reference I'm describing it to them about, but I describe the positive event or the positive result or the positive adjustment or growth in their life as a result of what's going to be happening to them shortly. Mm. And then I come back and talk a little bit, you know, drop a little hints and then talk about other stuff. And then I talk about the good thing. Then I come back and, you know, drop a bigger hint and let them think about it. And then, and then, and then by the time I'm ready, and it takes 20 minutes to do it. And by the time I get to that point where they're, they're already thinking about it and ready for it. And, and because we're in this connection, um, they're able to accept it calmly because because I've shown them they get through it and, and they start processing. And that's that's some of the ways that I, I, I give negative information. Now, when when you're getting these messages, how do you connect yeah. with it? Is it and, and what's the difference? Let me ask you the better question. What is the difference between a channel and a psychic? Or is it one and the same? Um, well, I don't think I'm a channeler, so I guess it's different than the way I do readings. That would be the difference. Um, so, how do you receive the messages? Do you see pictures? Do you see voice? Do you hear voices? Do you see dead? Do you see ways. dead people? No, <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, well, okay. Um, after all this time, and and this has been when I say it's been my my like my life's work. I've done more than a hundred thousand connections, like connections. Um, since since I was uh, 15 years old till now. And from the time I was 21 until almost 60, I either, I, I made a vow when I was about 21 um, that I'd heard if a, a young man became a priest, he would, he would make a vow to say a mass every day of his life. So when I was 21 and I left the tea room, I made a vow to either do at least one psychic reading every day of my life or practice doing psychic readings. And and I made it for a little bit more than 30 years without missing a day. Um, So I'm constantly focusing or practicing. So that's how come there's been so, so, so many um, um, uh, connections. When I do a reading, I just simply start talking. 
And I asked my client, please don't interrupt. And, and I asked them two things. How old are you right now? And what month's your next birthday? And I say, thank you very much. And turn on the recording. And, and then I start talking. And um, the information comes through. And when I'm doing readings now, because remember, I've been doing this for so long. When I do readings now, um, what I'm saying isn't what I'm thinking. What I'm saying has already been processed and what I'm thinking about is what I'm gonna say. And also at the same time, I will be thinking about what I've already said earlier in the reading. And then I'll be constantly looking at all of those thoughts all at the same time. Um, and I often don't know what I'm gonna say next, but I just say it. And um, that, that's how I've done it. So with, do, you ever get, do you ever get overwhelmed by messages? Like if you're just walking down the street and you pass two or three people and, and a message is coming like, oh God, that, that lady that just walked by, I have to, something's coming in for her. It's like radio station kind of thing. I, 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 I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't, I would never be so um, intrusive. Sure. But, but the messages, do they um, still come in though? Um, I do my best to look the other way. Mm. So now, now I, I also want to be clear on this. If there's something going on with somebody in front of me, like their life is in danger, sure, I don't go, course. oh, shut up. I react. Of and course. often those situations occur. I had one of those happen quite recently. Um, I just moved from uh, the suburbs in Toronto to a really fabulous place in Toronto and downtown. It's called Corso Italia. And um, it is a really fabulous neighborhood. I'd only been here about a week and I went out for a walk and um, I went to this chicken store to get dinner. And I was standing and I was at the corner south. I have to tell you the direction. I was standing on the south east side of the street and I mm -hmm. live south of that street and that was where the store was and all I had to do would get home was get out get out of leave the store turn to my left and walk home and on my way home and I thought about 25 or 30 yards into my walk there was a guy laying on the ground unconscious and people had been walking by him and I kind of stopped and looked at the guy and, you know, he, he was, he was unconscious and he was kind of gurgling. Um, and I got a little bit nervous. I didn't really want to touch him, right. Or, or I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to startle him and he wake up and beat me up or something. So um, I kind of watched him for a moment and a woman walked up and stood beside me, but I just noticed her. Uh, she had white hair, but it wasn't white like gray. It was white, and, and it was short. And I think she was young. And um, I just looked at her. I thought, glanced at her, and I said, I'm going to dial 911. And then 911 came on, and the operator said to me, you know, what is this? And I, call, I started to talk to her. The woman beside me said, the man on the ground, um, his airway is blocked. His mouth is closed. He's breathing through his nose and his eyes are rolling back into his head. So I said to the operator, um, you know, guy's laying on the ground, his airway's blocked, his mouth is closed and he's breathing through his nose. And the operator said, 
okay, would you go over and bend down and, and um, count his breaths? And I was kind of frazzled and I bent down and all I smelled was alcohol. And I said out loud, you know, there's alcohol involved here. The woman beside me said, oh, yes, indeed, there is alcohol involved, but there's something else that's more serious. So I say, there's alcohol involved. And, um, and then, the one, then the operator said, put your hand on his forehead and put your hand underneath his neck and, you know, extend his neck. And um, without even asking, I just handed my cell phone, my iPhone, to that person beside me. I didn't even, you know, hadn't hardly looked at her. Anyway, I was holding the guy's head. And, and um, a couple of minutes later, the, you know, the paramedics and fire truck arrived. And, you know, I just stepped away. I had my cell phone in my, instead of my cell phone, just beeped it. I had my cell phone in, in my hand at that time, and I don't know how I got it. And when I looked around, the woman was gone. When, when the um, paramedics came, I just started walking away. And as I was walking, I realized that I was in a part of the neighborhood I hadn't seen before. And um, the houses didn't look the same. And I lived at 1591 and I was around 1900 and something. And, and I'm saying, this is weird. And uh, I then realized that I was walking north and not south. And I was on the west side, not the east side. And so I turned around and started walking back. And there was the guy on the ground. He, would, he had come too. And I stopped for a moment and I said to the, you know, I said to the guy, and he said, you know, he had oxygen and he was breathing. And, and I said, wow, you look a whole lot better than you did a few minutes ago. And, and the paramedic had said he, he had a, a fentanyl overdose and, and you called right in time. So I walked home and I got down to the corner and, and I realized that I was on the wrong side of the street and I was a couple of hundred yards north, farther north than, I, than where I live. And um, the next morning when I got up, you know, I checked the walk again and, and I thought it, it happened really close to the main street. And it turned out that it was at least a hundred yards north. Um, I don't know how I got there. I, I, I don't know how I got there and I, and I don't know how all that happened. These things happen often. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Interesting. Yeah. Really, really interesting. So, and then I, then I don't talk about it very much. I don't think about it because others happen all the time too. I mean, I guess it's something that when you, when you discovered your, you know, disability, awareness, yeah. The awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, when you first started, you know, I mean, especially in the time that you discovered, you're talking about the 50s, 60s. Um, it wasn't as well known, it was well known, as well received, as well, as well understood. Well, I was an outcast in my family. I, I was about to say, how my did father, you deal with My it? father, uh, um, well, let me just finish that. My father went to his grave, believing his only son was a fraud and a charlatan. He, he, he told me that. Oh, the, the other thing you said is I'm the only guy you ever met that never had a job. Um, but made a that was somehow. not a compliment. That's right, but but it wasn't a compliment, right? So, um, what eventually happened is I realized that 
convincing somebody that doesn't believe or doesn't want to be aware um, is like trying to describe the color orange to somebody who was born blind. Right. It's, it's impossible. Uh, right. So, so don't do it. And for me, when I got to the point where I didn't care if if people agreed or disagreed, I, I I didn't care. It wasn't it wasn't important anymore. Right. You got to a place where you just like, this is what it is. Absolutely. I'm moving, I'm moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, because I've always fine. I always you know when I when I speak to people with with abilities or awarenesses that that many yeah. of us have not developed, um, I'm always curious on the psychological challenges of just dealing societal and dealing with I mean friends and and relatives and. And, you know, spouses, I mean, I've had people who've had many near-death experiencers have come on um, on the show to talk about their experiences and how they are absolutely different person before the, mm -hmm. the death until after and how their families, their spouses, uh, their kids, sure. it's hard for them to, 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 to deal with this new version of themselves. So I always ask about the, how they personally deal with it because so many people listening have challenges like not like specifically like yours but challenges they have to deal with at the very beginning of the show when you were were doing the introduction and 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 you were saying about the interesting people that that you've met um and that and that we were all different yes indeed we we are all different uh but almost a hundred percent maybe not 100%, but a very high percentage, almost all of us have experienced serious major trauma oh. in our early life. Mm -hmm. Almost all of us. And almost all of us are crazy. Uh, there's a crazy side to us, a happy crazy and an unhappy crazy. Sure. Happy crazy is more, is more fun than the other one. Um, and all of us will have issues and um, negative behaviors. And all of us often start out with a very low self-esteem. We, you know, empaths and angels don't come down from heaven. We fight our way out of hell. Mm -hmm. We go the other way around. We don't come down from the highs. We, 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 we come from the lows and work our way up and heal. That's how it's done. Yeah, with, without question. There is the, yeah. I, I, I've discovered, you know, we all go through trauma in one way, shape or form. Absolutely. Almost all of us do. I mean, usually people that are really psychic and, 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 and some of the best, we, we, we've all had major trauma. We've all been um, abused or seen abuse or um, we, we've all almost all of us have experienced it now there's uh, you know a lot of people on you know on the outside mm -hmm. of, of of these kind of conversations think that like oh there's only special people who get these special abilities or special awarenesses and that's it um, but I always tell people who ask I'm like we, we all have a version of this mm -hmm. we all Absolutely. have the gut we all have the gut instinct we all yes. have the intuition we all have these things they're not might be as heightened as your abilities obviously are, but we all feel something like, you know, we've all Absolutely. been in, a, we've all met somebody <laughs> yep. and said, this God, yep. I want to take a shower after I met that person. Sure. Or you met somebody and go, Oh my God, where have you been all my life? You know, yeah. you, that's instinct. That's gut. Yes, it is. It is. Um, okay. So being psychic is a normal 
natural phenomenon for almost all mammals, not just humans, almost all mammals. Like some of the examples, I have slight different ones. Have you ever been somewhere and you look up and someone's been looking at you? Or have you been walking down the street and you think about a friend and you bump into the friend? Or many variations like that. So if you think of um, a bell-shaped curve, and at one end of that curve, we call it bell-shaped curve of awareness, okay? So at one end of the, 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 the bell-shaped curve, there is one person that has absolutely zero awareness. And then at the other end of that bell-shaped curve, there's one person that has 100% awareness. I'd like to be that guy. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest of us are somewhere in between. So is everybody psychic? Probably not. Are most people? Yeah, so being psychic, and, and we think of some great talent, um, ESP, extrasensory perception. Ooh, I remember when that was coming out in the 60s and the 70s <laughs> and 80s, people were implying, you know, do you have ESP? <laughs> um, and as if it was something unusual and different and special and made you more or better than anyone else. Mm. Mm -mm. We have five basic senses. There's, there's more too, but we have five basic senses, touch, taste, smell, see, hear. Okay. When we take all of those senses and put them together and work them together, we develop a sixth sense, extrasensory perception. That's, that's what being psychic is, becoming aware of our senses. Psychic comes from the Greek root psyche mind soul or self so if you have a mind or soul or a self and use it you're, you're psychic and and when i teach classes haven't done it for a while but when i do one of the things i get people to do is stop identifying stop describing what you're doing don't worry if you're being telepathic clairsentient clairaudient don't bother with the words. Just focus on what's going on. Don't label it. So um, when we get in touch with ourselves, our, our instincts, our intuition, um, and, and they're on all the time, by the way, um, when we sense our feelings, we're now being psychic is normal. Um, what I also tell people when they're learning how to do readings, and this is a fundamental, don't worry about identifying it, become aware of what's obvious. So become aware of what's obvious about the person in front of you. Awaken all of your senses, like, like don't be grabbing them, but, but awaken all of your senses and put them, you know, and, and get in touch with that part. Awaken and see that person as clearly as you can. And when you become aware of what's obvious about them, then more becomes obvious. And then when more becomes obvious, then more becomes obvious again. And as you become aware and become more and more expanded in that what's obvious it's not obvious to others but we start off with at the beginning just become aware of what's obvious 
and then more becomes obvious. So I, I, I always talk about this in the show where I feel that there's a great shift happening in the world um, at this time in, in history where, you know, the, the weather environment, the, you know, we're going through uh, COVID still and um, sure. politics, money, uh, war. Yeah. There seems to be a lot happening at the same time. There, there seems to be a shift. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what is happening now and where do you think uh, your predictions are moving forward? I'm sure you've thought of this. <laughs> oh, I have. Um, I, my answer may surprise you. Okay. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I can't do anything about the things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I, there's, there's nothing that I can do about what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm just not anything enough. I, there's nothing I can do. But what I can do is feed the hungry person in front of me. Yeah. And what I can do is help the person who's in a crisis in front of me. I can help them through that. Mm -hmm. That's what I can do. And that's what I do well. And that's what I thrive on. So what's going on in the world? Sometimes I'm pretty good at, at, at um, um, predicting. I don't like, I, I'm not into that. Um, I, I really am mostly into helping that being in front of me. That's, that's, that's my calling. Got you. Fair enough. Now, is there, there's, there's the thing that we talk about where we are here for a reason. I believe that we're all here for a reason. I believe that we have, a, our, our soul has a mission. And when we okay. connect, when we connect to that mission, things open up doors, doors open up faster, things like that. Generally speaking, generally speaking, yes. how, how do you, how, what advice do you have for people to connect or discover what they're here to do? Because so many people are so lost. Okay. Um, the purpose of life is to experience. That's it. So the purpose of life is to experience all things on all levels. Um, you can't experience all things on all levels. So our... Uh, soul or whatever creates existences and those existences um, could be called templates as well and when we get that template our purpose is to experience what's going on in that template there's no right or wrong there's no good or bad there's no high or low it's what do you want to experience that's what we're here for. Simple, as simple as that. I'm a really simple person. <laughs> <laughs> now, with all these... it's so much easier, man. It really is. You know, really, it's so much easier. So, uh, yes? do you, you know, seeing everything you've seen and under mm -hmm. having a deeper understanding about sure. the making up the making of the universe, if you will, of why we're here, and so on. How has that changed? Being a psychic, how has that changed your outlook on life, on death, on spiritualities in general? I have a skill, 
a talent, whether, whether, you, you know, I'm a, a good guitar player or I'm a good hockey player or I'm a, a good psychic or um, I, I am good at what I do. Um, so I just do it. I, 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 I think that's the answer to your question. I, I, it's not that evolved. No, but like in regards to like, you know, before uh, I guess you would you so so young when it happened. I, I don't think you were at you know nine well, you or see, ten. I left home. I left I left home at 15 and I was homeless. And and I survived through the November, December um of, of that cold wind part of the winter in Toronto. I, I live in alleyways. And I heard that if you worked at the Coasty Tea Room doing tea leaf readings, um if you work there, you would get um, a sandwich and a cup of tea and cookies and, and uh, you get paid at the end of the shift. And if you worked at the night shift, you got a hot meal and, and cookies and, and a sandwich and you got paid. And um, I, I applied. I, I never, I, I had never re re read a tea leaf in my life and, and I'd never done card readings. Um, I have always just survived using my awareness my, my psychic ability and so i applied by phone the lady that owned the place and um told her that i could do it and she you know the, the way you got the job you know you applied you had to do a reading for her so i you know got the teacup and looked in the teacup and it just looked like blobs of tea and i put the cup in front of my face like this and i looked at her and i held the cup like this and i just talked to her and said what was going through me what was coming through me and then i put the card down the table i had no idea what the seven hearts meant or the you know the, i just i just had no idea but i don't know why i was kind of a smooth talking kid maybe that's how i survived as well and and i and i i and you know, included the cards in what I was saying to her. I had no idea if the seven of hearts was good or bad, but I would point to the seven of hearts and then say something that I would have said if the seven of hearts weren't there. Mm -hmm. And I got hired. And on that day, I started and I, I, I got that. I worked in the afternoon and I worked in the evening. So I had like um, a lunch and, and a hot meal had been, been a while. And that night I had a place to sleep. And the next day I had a job. And uh, I, I worked at the cozy tea room, working six, five, sometimes seven days a week. And, and during that period, I would see 30 people in a day or 10 or, um, and, and I did that until I was around 21. So it's, it seems like your story is fascinating to me because I mean, you, you're, you understood your abilities very early on and had a pretty good grasp on them. Did you have a mentor at one point or another to help Not you along then. the way? Not then. No. So you did. So a lot of this was instinctual basically. Sure. A lot of it was, well, um, it was me being me. Um, I generally was a, um, a good person. There's, I'm equally the opposite, and I've done. I've been the opposite, um, but I, I generally was had what, what was a jovial person. And I think one of my skills, or my lack of intelligence, is 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 my ability to get through things. Um, when I have a crisis, I just know I'm going to get through it, and and rather than 
if I lose something, rather than focusing on losing what I lost, I focus on where I'm going to go or, 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 or what I'm going to do again, or, or how I'm going to make it different. That, that's just been my instinct. So, so when, when I, I, it's easy for me to let go of, 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 of physical or material things. So, so a lot of this, I mean, it seems like you were programmed at the factory with a lot of this stuff, a lot of these insights. Um, it I, seems like it. Um, yeah. However, um, throughout my life, I've always been put in situations. Like one of the ways I, when I was surviving on the streets, I was always offered the, um, a choice of, of solving it by using my instincts awareness, psychic ability, or an illegal or immoral act. Mm. And, and I was always faced for, you know, I was always presented with those. And almost always, um, <laughs> I, I chose, you know, yeah, almost always I chose the, the um, using my intuition or psychic ability. Um, there, there were times where I, I um, as a child, I had to do immoral acts to stay alive you know it was very difficult for a 15 year old to survive in a blizzard sure without doing things um but i never stole anything and i almost never did anything illegal but mostly i followed you know my, my psychic ability and during those times when i was on the street i was taking care of um people in worse shape than me and if I found food, other people had food. And that was a, a way that I survived. Um, so I'm not sure why, why I was saying. So um, each one of those experiences, whether it be the night in the blizzard, whether it be um, going to a restaurant and asking, can I you know, wash dishes for something to eat? Or um, I, I never stole anything. So, um, there was no right or wrong in the choice that I made. So, um, or whether I would have done something illegal, immoral, or intuitive or psychic, there was no right or wrong or, or what I should or shouldn't have done. What did happen though, is the direction my path was, would be, cho would, would, would be caused by the choices that I made in that, those moments. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You, you know, those in those moments of um, when, when things happen, you, you, the choices that you instinctively make. So it's, it's again, it's fascinating that, you know, you basically were living and surviving on your, your not only your wits, but your abilities. And Absolutely. that's not a story that I've heard before. Uh, really? It, it, yeah. yeah, not like this, not, you know, doing, you know, readings at 15 to eat like I was, that's, I was oh yeah i was called the hippie reader at the tea room you know where in the <laughs> summertime uh in the summertime you know my hair was down to there um i i you know i didn't have any shoes uh because because at that time i hardly had any money so so um but it was wonderful it was it was you know i was doing something that that was amazing um and you know working at that tea room was it was a uh, um uh, um 
uh, a comedy in in you know in the making what went on there it, you know could have been you know like a WKRP in Cincinnati oh wow um, yeah so yeah the things that went on there was just amazing um, and I became pretty successful um, hmm. right away That's never it. I was never the I was never the best there or okay. I was never the most popular but but I was all but remember I was a kid right. Right. And, it's, and so you, but you were making a living and surviving. I, and I had a place to live. That's right. You had a place to live. You had food in your stomach. You had a roof over Absolutely. your head. Using your, using your ability. So that's a pretty fascinating, yeah. uh, fascinating story. During all of your yeah. hundreds of over a hundred thousand psychic connections yeah. at this point and readings, was there ever one that stands out as a, just a profound experience? Well, I've, I've had many, um, and you know, I have to tell you though, and this is going to sound hokey, mm -hmm. but, um, at this point in my life, I can't do as many readings as I used to. Um, I sure can't do them as fast. Um, but right now at this time in my life, if I were ever going to get a, if I could choose to get a reading for me, um, at any time in my life, I would choose right now. I, I see things better, clearer, broader than I've ever imagined I could see. Um, I, I see things with a clarity I never imagined possible. Uh, and, and the good news is that it's still, it's still expanding, man. it's still happening. Um, so, um, so what was your question again? If there was ever a profound oh, uh, okay. reading or, or connection you had. Like one that sticks out over all these years that you've been doing it, that you're like, there is this one time. Uh, there isn't just this one time. I know there's um, many, but one that there comes was, to mind. There, oh, okay, so one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced as a psychic uh, occurred, and it's written about in a book called The Perfect Predator. Mm -hmm. And 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 that book is is um, written by a scientist. And her husband was dying of an incurable superbug. Mm. And um, by the way, I knew these people and they had been my clients for, for several years. And I told, and I can say the people's names because their names are in the, in book. the book. Sure. Uh, that's right. And, and I told Stephanie's husband, Tom, a year and a half before um, this happened, that it was going to happen. And I told him, it was going to happen exactly the way I just described to you or earlier on in our talk, by giving him the, the, the good news and then, and then the bad news. And, and now both of these people are scientists with PhDs and professors. Uh, Stephanie is a professor of um, epidemiology at Southern California University and associate dean of the department. Tom is, is um, a professor of psychiatry and um uh, teach it any any sorry he has a PhD in psychiatry and he's a professor in in and in, in experimental psychology and um, and he's also uh, associate dean of the um, experimental psychology department. Tom is great big guy six foot five and and he's a little older than me now well five or six years older than me and he had blown up to well over three hundred pounds. And I was doing a reading for him and I, and I, and I, and I, and I told him and, and how I said this to him is 
by the way, Tom, in such and such a time, whether it was three years or whatever, um, you're going to be more than 100 pounds lower than what you weigh now. And you're going to be wearing different clothes. And right. And then I talked about other things. And then I started talking about something going on in his stomach. And then I talked about him losing 100 pounds. And then I talked about more about the stomach. And then I said, there's an illness coming. And, and by the way, it's in the book. There's an illness coming. And, and um, you're going to be as sick as you possibly can be without dying. And you're going to lose more than 100 pounds. And then I said, Tom, the destiny could be losing the 100 pounds. So, cause you're going to get sick and lose a hundred pounds or listen to what I just said to you. And it scares the hell out, in, out of you and you take control and lose a hundred pounds or you go through the experience thing is you'll survive it and it's up to you and you can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. I was that direct. Wow. Okay. Year and a half later, Tom and Stephanie are away in Egypt on their dream honey dream holiday one of their many uh, dream places. Um, Tom hadn't been feeling well anyway. Um, they go into this pyramid or whatever. Tom gets sick, passes out in the pyramid, gets carried out of the pyramid. Back to the hotel. The doctor comes to see him. He gets rushed to the hospital in Egypt. He's diagnosed with it's something about a pseudocyst. I don't know what the hell that is. But while he's in the hospital in Egypt, Cairo, um, he contacts the most potent superbug on the planet. <laughs> it was, hear my, hear, my, hear my tense, it was the most, it was 100% antibiotic resistant. And if you get that, it means you die. There's no cure. Tom's in a coma, dying. He gets medevac to Germany. Stephanie, all freaked out. They're in Germany. And this is coming up to near around Christmas time of that year. And I had the worst flu I'd ever had. I mean, I was just feeling awful. And, and I got out of bed to walk the dogs um, and then, you know, crawl home. And uh, in the afternoon, I heard my Skype line ringing and I crawled to the, the computer. And now I'd been thinking about Stephanie and Tom all the while I was sick. And what, as soon as I answered and I saw it was her, this is what I said to her. I said, what has taken you so long? I've been waiting for you. And that's also in the book, by the way. And, and then she told me what was going on. And, and, and I told her that Tom isn't going to die and that he would survive. And at that point, I developed a um, mind link with Tom when he was in a coma. And I was in tune with what he was going through seven days a week, 24 hours a day, um, every moment of the day. And that went on for about eight or nine months. And Tom was in a coma. And I knew um, when he was in, a, was, was, was in trouble. I knew when his was vital signs changed. I knew when, when um, he was okay. I, I, I lived it. Now, I, I just have to explain this. Um, 
I, I'm not the star of the story. There, there's a lot of other people, but if a psychic hadn't have been involved, and I shared this with my entire um, uh, um, contemporaries, if a psychic had not been involved, Tom would have died. And and um, I, I, it's, it's been proven. By the way, I, you can't hear this, but there's sirens in the background. The mm -hmm. siren just went by. I don't know if you could hear that, but anyway, so... Um, Stephanie was going panicking. Her husband was dying. Oh, and Stephanie, by the way, has got a mind like Sheldon Cooper. You, you know that mm, guy? Of course. Like, she's bang. got a memory. She's got a memory like that guy. It's, it, it's uncanny. So um, she, she decided or was wanting to do something. And, and I told her that she could find a cure. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And, and, and I started having meetings with her every day um, while Tom was sick. And um, she decided that she was going to find a cure. And she created a team of professionals at the top of their field around the world. And this collaborative group put their, their thoughts together and came up with a cure for this incurable superbug. And um, one of the things that I've been petrified of in my work is getting involved with anything medical because I don't know anything about it and I don't have the right or the knowledge and, I, and I, I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid of saying something and killing somebody, you know, sure. by wrong information. Uh, okay. Um, and I've always... Until that time, I had never just let it all hang out, as it were, you know, just, you know, leave it all in the ring. I, I'd never quite done that. I, I always save some for cautious or, you know, covering my ass or whatever. Uh, so I told Stephanie one time in a meeting, I said, you know, I'm feeling really nervous about this. Um, I, I'm really hesitant to tell you um, for fear of making a mistake. And she said, Robert, um, it's important for you to tell me what you sense and feel, what you absolutely feel, because I have this team around me and everybody's giving their, their information and their information that I have, I make my decisions. You are not on the hook. She said, she said she was on the hook. And she said, please say it as, as you see it. And that was the first time in my life. I just, I just, you know, opened the throttle and, mm -hmm. and let it all go. Um, it was the most learning experience of my life. It was unbelievable. And, and that's where a big shift came. Every day, Stephanie was giving me, um, um, a rehash of, of what I'd said the day before or the week before. And, and I, I, I always knew I was good. I didn't know I was that good. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really astonishing um, what, what was going on. And uh, most of this is in the book, so I'm not mm -hmm. thinking. So anyway, Stephanie narrowed it down to three choices. 
and um, she was running them by me. And she said, so the first one is, and she said, it's phages. And, it, and she starts to describe it. And I said, that's the one. And she said, uh, well, would you let me tell you about it? And I said, that's the one. And she told me about it. And I said, uh, okay. And then she started to tell me about the second one. And I said, the first one. And that irritated her. So she told me about the second one. And then, and then the third one. And I said, it's the first one. And then she said, why is it the first one? And I said, because it's like a little Pac-Man and it will attack the superbug, kill it and eat it. And she said, that's exactly what it does. <laughs> and she made her choice. Now she didn't make her choice on that. There's a hundred other guys giving her information and that was the straw. And, and um, phages, by the way, hold on to your chairman. Phages are harvested from unrefined sewer water. Hmm. Phages are excrement. And there were um, experiments done, Stephanie did all this research. There were experiments done in, in Russia in the 1930s, 20s, uh, into the early 40s. And what they were doing was injecting fresh stool um, into a person who has um, uh, um, a lower, a bowel, a bowel cancer or a bowel mm. disease or you know, stuff going on in that part of the body. And the concept was the healthy bacteria kill yeah. the unhealthy bacteria. Yeah, I've heard that they've been doing that now for a little bit. Yeah. And by the way, First time ever done on a human was Tom. He was case 00001. Wow. And um, they chose, they chose that. And it it was he was the very first human that ever been in, injected with these. And he was within hours of death. And and um, he was finally injected with phages. And and when he was first injected, um, his 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 um, uh, um, life signs got stronger, and then they zapped him again, and and he got stronger and stronger. And then throughout the night, he kept getting zapped. And the next morning, um, Stephanie was beside Tom, and um, he come came out of his coma, and he opened his eyes and looked at her and saw her, and then. And they made eye contact and then he fell asleep, but he never went back into a coma again. And he um, uh, um, lost more than hundred pounds. And um, they wrote the book called The Perfect Predator. Wow, that's an amazing. They're making a movie of it. They're making a movie of it now too. That's excellent. That's fantastic. That's, a, that's an amazing yeah. story. Do we have, can, can I just tell you about one sure. thing I really, that I would really like to share? Because this is all for my brothers and sisters that do this work. It, it really is. Mm. Um, the way I knew Tom was okay or not was because he, he was in a coma. I visualized a candle and the flame was his life force. And when he was okay, but in sick, as hell was in the coma, but when he was okay, the candle, was, the flame was strong. When he got into trouble or he's sick or something, the, the candle was, would flicker. 
there was this one time in Germany uh, when I was checking the candle, it looked like it was going to blow out. And what was going on with Tom, he, he, he had been medevac from Egypt. He was in this maximum uh, um, place where, where everyone's used wearing hazmat suits and, you know, and he's unconscious. He can hear voices and he can hear voices on them saying he's going to die. He could hear that. Um, he was cold, sick, and he didn't know where he was. And he was letting go. And, and I said to Stephanie, um, and, and once again, uh, Stephanie gave me permission to, you know, say it as it is. And, and, and I said to Stephanie, I said, Tom is alone and he's letting go and he needs his daughters. Yesterday would, be, would have been good for him. Today is good. Tomorrow's not so good. If you wait longer, don't bother. That night, the girls showed up and I, I wasn't directly on the job, as it were, but I certainly was looking at the candle and um, all of a sudden the candle started flickering um, that night. And, and I knew that his daughters had arrived and that is what happened. Now, if a psychic, not just me, if a psychic had not been on the job, Tom would have died. And there were two other events that if a psychic had not been involved, Tom would have died. So I'm sharing this because I'm not the only person in the world that could have done it. There's lots. I, my number came up, you know, I just got the call and answered it. You know, that's what happened. It was like the invitation I got for your show. I just answered it. That's all. It was my <laughs> turn. Um, but there were many, many people that could have. And, and, um, it's proven that we can sense things and people, when they're in a coma, sometimes there is a consciousness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, 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 and we've proven that. Wow. That's a remarkable story. Remarkable story. I have um, a few more. I'm sure you do, Robert. And I'm sure we could talk for another four or five hours <laughs> uh, to say the least, but I'm going to ask but, you a couple questions that I sure. ask all of my guests. What is your mission in this life? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. To experience. And the ultimate purpose of life is? Experience. Simple as that. When I end my podcast, because I have my own podcast now, um, it's we're just coming up to a year. At the end of my show, it, it always is uh, do good, stay safe, and above all, just be kind. And um, the, the purpose of life is to experience, and I'm going to steal words from the Dalai Lama, um, the purpose of life is to experience, um, be kind whenever possible, it's always possible. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? You can find me on my website, um, robertlindsaymilne.com, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, my, my podcast is My Side of the Crystal Ball, and it's on Apple, um, iHeart, Everywhere, right. yeah, everywhere there's a podcast right. is available. Everywhere there's a podcast. And I still um, do psychic readings and I'm still pretty good at 
do that do that too robert it has been an absolute pleasure uh speaking to you my friend thank you for the work that you are continuing to do and the help that you're providing a lot of people out there so and thank you for sharing your stories with me it really and with the audience it really was a intriguing and interesting conversation to say the least thank you i want to thank robert so much for coming on the show and sharing his journey with us thank you so much robert if you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode please head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash zero nine seven and if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations please subscribe to our youtube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash youtube thank you so much for listening and remember trust the journey it is here to teach you i'll talk to you soon